be reading scripture reading from 55, chapter 55, Isaiah 8 through 9. 55, Isaiah 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As if the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Good morning. It is a good morning. It's a little bit above 30 degrees, and so that's nice. I'm glad that now we've gotten a little uh, rid of winter for the most part. Uh, There's some interesting things about New Mexico, the least of which is the unusual weather. What I find especially intriguing is that large hole in the ground known as the caverns. How many of you have been to the caverns before? Anybody been to the caverns before? There's something that's really interesting. I haven't been in a really long time. In fact, my wife and I were talking. We're planning on going back again because we have lots of friends who come uh, from Texas and they stop by and they go into the caverns and they come back and they tell us about the caverns. And so we said, well, maybe we should go. But one thing that really intrigued me, confused me, and, and got me a little concerned was when they started talking about these stalactites and these stalagmites, the one that hangs down from the ceiling and the one that comes up from the ground. And they occur over a long period of time in which this water containing different minerals, I think calcium, it comes out of our faucets at the house. It's crazy here. But if, if it drips long enough, it starts creating these points. Well, back in the 1930s, they decided that they were going to drill a hole in one area of the cavern uh, to do some work. And over the process of those years, those stalactites and stalagmites have begun to form again because of this, this drip and this drop and this drip. In this drop. And they said over the last 80 years, they're proud that they have grown these humongous stalactites, one of them which is nearly an eighth of an inch tall. Pretty impressive, isn't it? 80 years, an eighth of an inch. Think about that for just a second. You go through that caverns and there's some pretty big stalactites there. In fact, the largest stalactite in the world is found in Carlsbad Cavern. Anybody know how tall it is? Just a hair over 204 feet. Are you thinking for a second? That can't be right. Because I look in the Bible, and, and the Bible says that, that maybe the earth was, you know, we're guessing around 6,000 years old. Let's see, 6,000 divided by 80 times eighth of an inch. Well, that, that can't be right. So Something's not right here. How can 80 years you have a stalactite that grows an eighth of an inch... But yet here we have you walk into this cavern, 204 feet tall. I was looking up at the ceiling trying to guess. I don't know. I'm thinking that might be 30 feet, somewhere around that area. So we have a stalactite in the Carlsbad Caverns that is over six times, almost seven times taller than that right there. How many 
drops of water would it have taken for it to grow that big. It's a little bit unfathomable. I don't understand how it works. And so then I'm, I'm caused to question, God, why would that happen that way? Why, why would you create the world and it be around for 6,000 years and yet there's something here that seems in my mind that it would have taken a whole lot longer? I, I don't understand. And so naturally, I, I want to question. And so we do that sometimes. We want to question. Leighton, how are you doing this morning? Are you doing okay? Will you come up here for just a second? I need your help. I, I want to take just a minute. Um, I have a piece of paper. This is tell, Show everybody that this is a normal piece of paper. You are going to do something extra special for me. I want you to cut a hole in that paper. Will you do that for me? But here's the deal. I want you to make it a special hole. I, I want you to make it big enough that I can fit through it. Would you do that? Go ahead and just sit down. Just do your best. You sit down, and when you've got the hole done, you let me know. Just try your best, and when you're done, you let me know. Okay? In the meantime, we're going to pick up in chapter 25. I gave you scissors, but mom, notice I didn't let him run with him. He's just, they are a little sharp, so be careful. But just cut a hole, make sure it's big enough that I can fit through. We'll see what we can do from there. Okay, so we're catching themes throughout uh, chapter 25. We saw it in 24. We saw it in 23 as well. But there's a really interesting theme that I saw over and over again. And I think it's it's really interesting, maybe even more interesting than a 200-foot-tall stalactite. Jesus starts out prophesying to his disciples in the beginning of chapter 25 of the story. He says the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and he's going to be handed over to men. And do you remember what Peter said? Peter pulled him aside and he rebuked him. Now I don't know the whole conversation, but boy I would love to hear a little bit about that. Peter saying, now Jesus... Come on now. You can't talk about these things. You can't talk about this, this dying and, and being handed over. That's, that's not how it works. Don't you remember the prophecies? And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You see, the problem was, listen closely, Peter didn't get it. He didn't understand the full message. Number two, I love this. This is one of my favorite stories about Peter. They go up the mountain of transfiguration. Peter, James, and John. Jesus goes up there. He's with Moses. He's with Elijah. He comes down. His face is shining. And Peter says, and get this, get this. Peter did not know what to say. So you would think he would do what? Say nothing at all. But no, Peter, the lovely person that he is, he doesn't know what to say, so he starts to talk. Hey, let's build three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And God, in a voice from heaven, says, this is my son. Listen to him. You know what he was really saying? Stop talking. Stop talking, Peter. But the problem was, is Peter didn't get it. Peter, James, and John, upon hearing the voice, they fall down on the ground. 
And Jesus has to go to them. And he picks them up and he says, it's okay. He says, but don't tell anyone. But they were confused. Because why? They didn't get it. And so days, weeks later, they're still talking. What did Jesus mean when he said these things rising from the dead? Then we have number the fourth time. Get ready for this because we got a long ways to go. Jesus again prophesies that he's going to die. And his disciples say, we, we don't understand this. This can't happen this way. The reason why is, how's my hole going? Are you done yet? You're done. Okay, let's take a look at this. Okay. There we go. That's a pretty big hole. You think I can fit through this? No. Did you just call me fat? You don't think I can fit through this? Let me try. I'm, I'm. Come on. Leighton's my good buddy. We, uh, we do some uh, deconstruction together. A few months ago, I was doing some work around here, and I had a big hammer. Can I borrow your scissors? And we had to take something apart. And he uh, helped me out, and from then on, he became my partner, and he became known as Wreck-It Ralph, because he knows how to swing a hammer. And we did some, he could tear things up, but apparently, he can't cut a hole big enough. Now, do you think I can cut a hole big enough that I can fit through? You don't think so? Why not? Does anybody think I can cut a hole big enough that I can fit through? Somebody's going to say, Brevin, of course you're going to say yes. Brevin, who went to uh, state in the spelling bee and did a fantastic job again this last year. Wonderful job, bud. But of course, you're going to try to steal my thunder. But let's just see if we can do this. Now, logically, you're looking at me and you're thinking, there is no way that he's going to be able to make a hole big enough that he can actually fit through. But you know what? I kind of think I can. But it doesn't seem like I should be able to, mainly because, well, this piece of paper is too small and my body is too big. But what if, what if I told you I could really do it? Now, let me just, you're going to have to, for now, I apologize. I will clean up later on. Let's just trust him here, just do a little, hope I don't mess up here. That would be really embarrassing. Did I get it all? Did I miss any? I don't think I did. So, now let's see. Can I cut a hole in the paper big enough that I can now go through? Can I get through that one? Thank you very much. Maybe I'm not as big as I thought I was. Thank you, Leighton. You, you can go sit back down. Okay, I want to talk about this for just a second, and we're going to get back to 25, but, you know, I heard about the Carlsbad Caverns, and it really bothered me, because I thought, it's got to make sense, and it's not making sense, and so there has to be some explanation for it. For those of you who haven't seen this done before, that, that I just tore up, you thought, there's no way that you can make a hole big enough, because the sheet of paper is just, it won't work. And the problem is, you didn't get it. You, you couldn't clearly see. Chapter 25, over and over again, I, I could spend way more time than we need to. 
Jesus prophesied his death. This is the fourth time in the chapter in which somebody didn't get what Jesus was talking about. Number five, people wanted an earthly king and they didn't understand. They wanted all all the people, the lowly people, they said, we've got to get the power out of the hands of the greedy. And the religious leaders whom held the power said, we don't want you to take the power away. The problem was, neither of them got it. They were all looking for a king who would give them what they wanted. The sixth time in chapter 25 uh, uh, says this, at the feast at Jerusalem. There was this murmuring that was going on and some of them said, well, he's a really good man. And another one says, well, he deceives people. The problem was is that they didn't get it. On the last day of the feast, this question arose, who is Jesus? And earlier, people knew that Jesus was not well loved among the religious leaders. How how much did they hate him? Enough that everybody else knew that they were trying to kill him. It was no secret. Jesus comes out, he's walking around, he's teaching. People look at him and say, isn't that the one they're trying to kill? People knew. And yet here he was out preaching, and so they made this assumption. Well, maybe, maybe they don't want to kill him anymore. Maybe they now realize that he is in fact who he says he is, that he is the Messiah. But then they started questioning, if he's the Messiah, then where did he come from? He can't come from Galilee. We know that the Messiah comes from Bethlehem. They, they, they didn't understand. They didn't get it. The eighth time we have just in this short account in chapter 25 is when Jesus is challenged by the Pharisees and his response is, you don't know where I come from and you don't know where I am going. And he says, I am not of this world. And there was some more discussion going on. And this means just a little bit to us, but it meant so much more to them uh, when they says, how can this be? How, how can you know Abraham? How can you talk to Abraham? And he makes this statement. He says, before Abraham was, I am. What is that? What is he saying? Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Moses is being sent by God to the people. And Moses asks, who do, who do I say sent me? And God replies, I am. This, at its highest point, is blasphemy. Jesus has just now called himself God. Who do you say that I am? I am. And they were furious. They wanted to kill him. Why did they want to kill him? Because they just didn't get it. But it wasn't just his enemies who didn't get it. It would be just a few moments later that Jesus would get word that Lazarus, his dear friend, was sick. And he decides... He's going to wait it out a little bit. 
And his disciples ask him, shouldn't we go see Lazarus? Shouldn't, shouldn't we go take care of him? He's a dear friend. And Jesus' response was, Lazarus is just asleep. And they say this, well, if he's sleeping, that's good for him. It's good to rest. They didn't understand. They didn't get it. Lazarus dies. Jesus goes to see him. Martha comes out and said, if you'd just gotten here earlier, he would have lived. And Jesus says, he will rise again. And Martha, she didn't get it. And what did she say? I know he's going to rise again at the resurrection and the judgment day. She missed it. She didn't quite understand. Just a little later on, there would be some children who wanted to see Jesus. And the disciples, uh, they, they were frustrated. And they said, get the kids away. Jesus is too busy. And, they were in, and Jesus says that he was indignant. He was upset that unfair treatment was taking place. And he said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. The disciples just didn't get it. They thought Jesus was too busy and too important to allow kids to be around him. The rich young man came to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, well, what, what does the law tell you? And, and he lists these commands. And he said, then I, I've done them all. And Jesus looked on him and he had compassion. And he said, go, sell your possessions. Give them to the poor and come and follow me. And what happened to the rich young man? He went away sad. Why was he sad? He didn't get it. He thought his possessions were worth more than what Jesus was offering. It would be just in a few days that Jesus would begin his triumphal entry. But before that would happen, he would go into Jerusalem and he would go into the temple. And within the temple, he saw all these people who were exchanging money. But it wasn't for helping other people. They were using it for their own gain. And Jesus was frustrated with them and he grabbed a whip. He created a whip that he tied and he drove them out and pushed over the tables. And I half think he said, don't you get it? This is a place of prayer. And you're using it to extort money from people. The problem was they just didn't get it. Just glancing through studying just the stories covered in chapter 25 of the story. I can't 
across 14 examples where Jesus continually came in contact with his disciples, with his loved ones, with strangers, with enemies, with people that wanted healing, with people who wanted teaching, with people who were just hanging around. And over and over and over again, the response is, they just didn't get it. They didn't understand. Like the 200 foot stalactite or a hole this big and a piece of paper this big. They just couldn't understand it. And as a result, many of them walked away. Some of them sad, some of them confused. Because they just didn't get it. From this, years after Jesus' death, there would start this group of people who would later be labeled as Gnostics. And they had this belief, Gnostic comes from the Greek word which means knowledge. And what they thought was, the more we know, the better. If we can just understand it, then everything will make sense and it will be okay. But here's the deal. God doesn't always make sense. Right? God doesn't make sense. That's not a criticism. That's praise. That's praise for one, that God would choose to send His Son to die for people who didn't deserve His Son. God doesn't make sense. I had a... A friend come to me uh, one time, and he was really struggling, and, and he was talking about some things that were going on in the science world, and he says, this, this, I, don't, I don't understand it. You know, if I just had the answers. And I said, listen, God does not call us to have knowledge. He calls us to have faith, to believe that however he would choose to create a 204 foot tower from drops of water however he wants to do it he can do it and however he chooses to have a bunch of dinosaurs roam this world however he's going to choose how that will happen It's amazing. You see, I want us to walk away with two things. The first is this. You don't want to understand God. You don't want to understand God. Because let me tell you this. If you ever get smart enough that you can actually understand His ways then he's not as smart as he says he is. God is not meant to be understood. He's meant to be believed. Even with all the things going on in this world, and and so many times it doesn't make sense, we have to remember that God is still God. And here's the best part about it. Number two, is that you don't 
have to fully understand God to receive His grace and His blessing. Isn't that amazing? We can't explain how He does it. Job tries. If you ever struggle with this concept, go back and read through Job and read the questions that God lays at the feet or fires at the head of Job. And his response finally is this. What God calls us to do is not to understand, but simply to believe. That we are to believe in Him. Because He's our Savior and our Redeemer. Years ago, I came to realize, not fully understand, but I realized that God loved me. And His mercy fell upon me, even though I didn't deserve it. And it changed my life forever. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't come to realize yet that it's not about having this greater knowledge, but just having faith. See, Jesus chose the little ones to come to him, not the higher learned. He knew that they needed faith, not knowledge. This morning we've gathered here partly to learn more about God, partly to praise him. But my prayer is that this morning you've grown in your faith towards a God who can do things that we can't understand. And that we can praise Him regardless. This morning, if you're struggling with understanding God or how He could love you, let me just say this. It's not impossible. God loves you. And He has called you to a life of obedience to Him. To go out into this world and change it. That's what He's called us to do. And it's not impossible. Because we have Jesus on our side. If there's any way we can serve you this morning, would you come as we stand and sing?